Chapter Nine of A Master of the Vineyard by Myrtle Reed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Spring Day. With the tact that seems the birthright of the gifted few, Mrs. Lee adjusted herself to the ways of the Marsh household. Some commotion had been caused by the arrival of four more trunks of different shapes and sizes, but after they had been unpacked and stored, things went on smoothly alden's idea of a trunk had hitherto been very simple to him it was only a substantial box variation in size and in exterior finish being the only possible diversions from the original type when it fell to his lot on a saturday morning to superintend the removal of mrs lee's empty trunks to the attic he discovered the existence of hat trunks dresser trunks and wardrobe trunks cannily constructed with huge warts on all sides but the one the trunk was meant to stand upon why so scornful a sweet voice asked at his elbow i'm not scornful he returned i'm merely interested you're fortunate she smiled to be so easily interested we're out of the world here you know and unfamiliar varieties of the trunk species make me feel much as crusoe did when he came upon a human footprint in the sand i wonder mused mrs lee how he really did feel it must have been dramatic beyond all words she sat down on the window-seat in the hall and leaned back against the casement of the open window the warm spring wind laden with the sweet scent of growing things played caressingly about her neck and carried to alden a subtle fragrance of another sort her turquoise blue silk kimona delicately embroidered in gold was open at the throat and fastened at the waist with a heavy golden cord below it opened over a white petticoat was a mass of filmy lace ruffles her tiny feet peeped out beneath the lace clad in pale blue silk stockings and fascinating chinese slippers that turned up at the toes from above came discordant rumblings and eloquent but smothered remarks on the general subject of trunks mrs lee laughed they're trying to make the wardrobe trunk stand up on the wrong end and it won't how do you know that's it because i've heard the same noises and the same general trend of conversation all the way from the atlantic to the pacific and back again the farther west you go the more accomplished the men are in the art of profanity is it an art i thought it came naturally it does to some but you have no idea what study and constant practice can do in developing a natural gift the sunlight illumined her hair into a mass of spun gold that sparkled and gleamed and shone it made golden lights in her brown eyes caressed the ivory softness of her skin and deepened the scarlet of her lips listen she said isn't it awful no returned alden it isn't in fact i don't know of any sound i'd rather hear than your trunks being put into our attic a faint suggestion of a dimple appeared at the corner of her mouth then vanished well done she said you have atoned nobly for your dismay the night i came when you found i'd brought a trunk i wish you wouldn't he replied awkwardly it wasn't that such a small trunk she went on mercilessly just a plain little steamer trunk that you can put under a bed the kind you can ask a cabman to take down to the cab for you a little trunk that a woman can almost carry herself only room for one gown one hat and a few toilet articles the golden lights in her eyes were dancing and her hair shimmered in the sun alden sat down at the farthest end of the window-seat and looked out upon the vineyard faintly green now with the new leaves 
the two men descended from the attic and went down the back stairs how did robinson crusoe feel when he saw the footprint he asked determined to get away from the unlucky subject of trunks i don't know edith answered for i wasn't there he must have been surprised and frightened and pleased all at once how interesting it must be to have something happen to you that never happened to anybody before but it's all happened before he objected is there anything new under the sun it's been new at one time or another we're always too late that's all somebody ate the first oyster and somebody went to sleep first and somebody wore the first false hair no she continued with a rose-pink flush mantling her face i don't if i did i wouldn't mind saying so but nature gave me quantities of it so why should i borrow more besides i don't believe there is any more like it so i couldn't anyway no he returned thoughtfully i don't believe there is any more like it either your wish to be first in something is surely gratified for there never was such hair as yours and never will be again mother's was like it he shook his head no it wasn't i never saw your mother but i know better than that ask your mother there she is now madame appeared at the head of the stairs on the way to her room to dress for luncheon she paused to smile at the two who sat on the window-seat then would have gone straight on had not edith called to her mrs marsh isn't my hair exactly like my mother's madame came to her turned the shining head a little more toward the sun and patted the fluffiness caressingly no she said though your mother had glorious hair it was nothing like this hers was auburn and smooth yours is reddish gold almost copper-coloured and fluffy besides you must have nearly twice as much of it there said alden i told you so but persisted edith if it's really copper-coloured it's common look at the lady on the copper cent for instance the lady on the copper cent returned alden is a gentleman who wears feathers but under his feathers he has hair the colour of this he may not have any hair at all they both laughed and madame smiled though she did not quite understand what they were talking about she was still smiling when she reached her own room for she found it very pleasant to have edith there and was delighted to have alden come to a realizing sense of his duties as host he had indeed conducted himself admirably ever since mrs lee's arrival though he had been very quiet and reserved at first with some trepidation she had told him that she had invited the guest to remain indefinitely tactfully choosing a moment after an unusually good dinner when they chanced to be alone alden had taken it calmly betraying no outward sign of any sort of emotion what's the matter with her he had asked curiously what's she in trouble about if she wants you to know my son she will tell you herself madame had replied in a tone of gentle rebuke i have no right to violate her confidence he shrugged his shoulders good-humouredly you don't need to squelch me like that mother i don't know that i care particularly i was merely making conversation refined conversation is not made of impertinences madame suggested the words were harsh but the tone was kind don't stab me with epigrams please for i don't believe i deserve it madame recalled every word they had said as she took down her afternoon gown of black silk and began to sew frills of real lace in the neck and sleeves 
she was glad he had been pleasant about it for it seemed much more like living some way to have another woman in the house if virginia had lived she too had brown eyes but her hair was brown also she would have been four years older than edith was now and undoubtedly married all madame's feminine ancestors for generations back had been married the only spinster in the family so far as madame knew had remained true to the memory of a dead lover some women are born to be married some achieve marriage and others have marriage thrust upon them madame said to herself unconsciously paraphrasing an old saying virginia would have been meant for it too and by now there would have been children in the old house pattering back and forth upon the stairs lisping words that meant no more than the bubbling of a fountain and stretching up tiny hands that looked like crumpled rose petals pleading to be taken up and loved these dream children tugged strangely at the old lady's heart-strings in her moments of reverie even yet after rosemary came but they would not be like her own flesh and blood as a daughter's children always are poor rosemary how miserable she was at home and how little she would need to make her happy to think that she dared not tell her grandmother and aunt that she was engaged to alden madame's cheeks grew warm with resentment in the girl's behalf motherless friendless alone with life's great cup of wonder in her rough red hands a tap at the door made her start come in she called it was edith trig and tailor-made in dark green with a crisp white linen shirtwaist an immaculate collar and a dashing green tie mr marsh has invited me to go for a drive after luncheon she said and he asked me to come and see if you weren't almost ready may i do your hair for you madame submitted not because she cared to have her hair done but because she liked to be fussed over as she put it there was something very pleasant in the touch of edith's cool soft hands you're you're not going to change the way i do it are you she asked a little anxiously no indeed i wouldn't change it for anything it suits you just as it is i'm glad you think so for i've always worn it like this alden wouldn't know me if i became fashionable he doesn't look a bit like you said edith irrelevantly no but he's the living image of his father and i'm very glad it keeps me from from missing him too much madame's voice broke a little on the last words it must be lovely to be missed said edith quickly now i dear haven't you told him yet he's probably discovered it by this time still i don't know i've only been away a week it isn't right said madame decidedly you must let him know where you are why i never know where he is that doesn't make any difference two wrongs never make one perfect right if you do your part things will be only half wrong instead of entirely so i'll do whatever you think best said edith humbly i came to you because i could think for myself no longer i'll write him a note before luncheon if you say so and post it this afternoon i do say so therefore luncheon waited for a few moments to alden's secret impatience until edith came down with her note she offered it to madame doubtfully want to see it no dear i'll trust you she sealed it with shamefaced gladness that madame had not availed herself of the opportunity she was quite sure that her counsellor would not approve of the few formal lines which were all she had been able to make herself write 
after luncheon when alden assisted her into madame's decrepit phaethon and urged the superannuated horse into a wildly exciting pace of three miles an hour she asked to be driven to the post-office thank you said alden for alluding to it as a drive it's more like a walk it isn't exactly like going out in a touring car she admitted but it's very pleasant nevertheless it gives you time to look at the scenery also to photograph it if you should so desire you don't even need to limit yourself to snapshots a time exposure is altogether possible when they reached the post-office alden took her note and went through the formality of tying the horse he glanced at the superscription not because he was interested in her unknown correspondent but because the handwriting claimed his attention through the delicate angular tracery he made out the address mr william g lee the street and number were beyond his skill in the brief time he had had at his command so he said when he came back you're mrs william g i trust you don't call him william no he's the sort of william who is always known as billy good that speaks well for him alden began to wonder as he alternately coaxed and threatened the horse toward the river road what manner of man she had married someone undoubtedly with the face and figure of apollo the courtesy of chesterfield and the character of a saint it was good of him he said gratefully to let you come to us edith bit her lips and turned her face away i was glad to come she answered after a pause for a moment she trembled upon the verge of a confidence then summoned all her conversational powers to the rescue she began with the natural beauty of the country through which they were driving observed that the roads were better adapted to a horse than to an automobile noted the pleasant situation of the marsh house on the river shore veered for a moment to the subject of good roads in france came back to the blue reflection of the sky upon the smooth surface of the river admired the situation of the vineyard said that madame's phaethon was extremely comfortable and concluded by asking if it wasn't almost time for apple blossoms all of which means said alden quietly that you're unhappily married how do you know demanded edith crimson with surprise and mortification did did your mother tell you no she didn't most decidedly she didn't i just know that's all how do i betray myself so completely as that he answered her question by another how did you know the night you came that i was surprised and not altogether pleased by the fact that you had brought a trunk were my manners as bad as all that why no i just knew and how did you know this morning when we were sitting on the window-seat that i was wondering whether or not you wore false hair why i just knew that's it exactly how long have you known ask me something easier than that he laughed endeavouring to relieve a situation that threatened to become awkward following his lead she began to ask questions about the vineyard and when he told her he feared he knew very little about his work suggested that he should read up on vine culture and make it the best-paying vineyard in the state has mother been talking to you he demanded turning to her quickly about the vineyard no but if it's your work why not do it better than anybody else does it alden looked at her long and earnestly the golden lights of her eyes were thrown into shadow now for it was afternoon and they were driving east her answering smile gave him confidence courage moreover it challenged him in some subtle way he could not analyze 
it dared him as it were to make the best of the vineyard and himself thank you he said at length i believe i will the divine moment passed and for the remainder of the drive they talked commonplaces but the fresh air from the hills the freedom of the wind-swept spaces the steady aspiration of everything that lived brought the colour to edith's cheeks the sparkle to her eyes and ministered secretly to her soul when she went in she looked happier than she had since she came madame saw it and was glad but wisely said nothing she came down at dinner-time in a black lace gown trimmed with spangles that glittered when she moved it was cut away slightly from the rounded ivory throat and the white arms were bare to the elbow the upper parts of the sleeves were made of black velvet ribbon latticed into small diamond-shaped openings through which the satin texture of the skin showed in the candlelight she wore no rings except the slender circlet of gold that had been put on her finger at the altar six years ago conversation at dinner proceeded slowly but on pleasant lines edith seemed preoccupied and at times alden relapsed into long silences madame noted that they scarcely spoke to each other and was vaguely troubled for she liked edith and wanted alden to like her too after dinner edith played cribbage with madame and alden read the paper when madame had won three games in rapid succession edith said good night alden from the depths of his paper murmured the conventional response that night he started from his sleep with a sense of foreboding he sat up and listened but there was no sound not even the wind moving a shutter nor a swaying branch tapping at his window not a footfall nor an echo nor a breath the tall clock on the landing struck four the silvery strokes died away into a silence that was positive rather than negative the sense of foreboding still persisted moreover he was conscious that someone else was awake also was it his mother was she ill no he was sure of that was it edith yes that was it she was awake and had been awake all night moreover she was crying his heart throbbed with tender pity he yearned to comfort her to assure her that whatever was wrong must eventually be made right why from the crown of her beautiful head to the turned-up toe of her blue chinese slipper edith had been made for joy and for love out of the darkness came a sudden mysterious perception she knew she had awakened him and had smiled at the knowledge a sense of weariness quickly followed then a restful silence which carried no thought with it he lay back on his pillow and waited with his eyes closed until he felt that she was asleep then he slept also end of chapter nine